Welcome to CII Podcasts. Welcome to this session honoring the global triumph of the India Stack. Recognized internationally as a remarkable achievement, the India Stack has revolutionized the delivery of vital services to our citizens from identity to financial inclusion, targeted support, digital education, healthcare and government services. it has truly transformed lives in our first session this morning we have with us mr nandan nilakani chairman and co-founder infosys and uh, founding chairman of uidai aadhar india to reflect on the possibilities of expanding these digital platforms and sharing the valuable lessons from india for the greater good of the global community Thank you very much and it's it's really a great pleasure to be here. I'll speak about India's digital transformation and how what has happened over the last several years which has made a huge difference and created a whole new model of economic growth. But essentially uh, over the last several years India has transformed in many ways and this digital transformation uh, is at the heart of economic growth and so on. Now we know what's happening in the world the world is getting hotter 1.5 degrees paris and so on it's getting older demographics are changing geopolitics is there in every conversation but as we noticed in the last 3 days india is a young democratic nation with immense potential and expected to be among the leading economies of the world but actually when you look below the hood it's not one big market or it was not one big market it had huge variations in cultures markets regulations industrialization every state had its own uh, tax system and so on but what has now happened is all these things have come together to create one mega economy which brings everything together and leads to immense productivity so what is fundamentally happening is india is going from an offline informal low productivity multiple set of micro economies to a single online formal high productivity mega economy and this is the trend of the next 20 years and you're going to see all this happening every year year by year and this has been enabled by a new approach to solving society's issues which we call as digital public infrastructure in other words it's essentially extending the ability of a country to use digital technology at population scale to transform society and the di- digital public infrastructure has a number of building blocks each block does one thing well but all the blocks talk to each other they interoperate interoperate and when these blocks come together they create all kinds of solutions at population scale now it began with the id system called aadhar Uh, which i was uh, in charge of for 5 years and the idea was to give a digital id to every indian and today 1.3 billion indians have this digital id it provides for uh, online authentication of identity using your uh, fingerprint iris otp face whatever and that system does 80 million transactions a day which means 80 million times some indian is using his aadhar to do an online verification now this online verification 
The second thing built on this was what's called as KYC or Know Your Customer. And KYC was then made a requirement. Aadhaar KYC was sufficient to open a bank account or to get a mobile connection. And in, 2015, in 2014, soon after Prime Minister Modi came to power, on August 28, 2014, he launched the Janda Yojana program, which is the world's largest financial inclusion program. And more than 400 million bank accounts were opened for people. And they were able to do that very quickly because at Aadhaar EKYC, you could do an online opening of a customer account. And today we have 700 million bank accounts that are linked to their Aadhaar IDs. And the same KYC is also used for non-cash, non like our PDS system uses Aadhaar authentication to create an interoperable network. So it was fundamentally Aadhaar led to KYC, KYC and Jandan Yojana Prime Minister's initiative led to massive financial inclusion. The same thing happened on the mobile side. The mobile industry adopted eKYC and firms like Geo, Airtel, Idea, Vodafone, etc. all use this to speed in the rate of customer inclusion in KYC. And therefore we saw a dramatic change in our networks. We have uh, Geo was launched in uh, 2016 and it went to 100 million customers in the first six months giving free cards. All that was done because of Aadhaar KYC. So fundamentally think about it. You had ID first, ID led to KYC, KYC led to banking inclusion, KYC led to mobile inclusion. So they all came together. And the years 2014 to 2016 were very critical for this because in 2014, as I said, August 28th, the Jandan Yojana program was launched which led to massive financial on the banking side. In 2015, the Prime Minister launched the Digital India program. The Digital India program included something called DigiLocker, which allowed Indians to store their documents on the cloud or on the phones. And 180 million Indians today use DigiLocker to store their uh, other IDs or the vaccination certificates built by Beti, and it's a remarkable system we all use. 2015, Digital India also launched the digital signature where now I can use my ID to sign a document on my phone. So if you want to apply for a loan on your phone, you can just sign the document and it's fully certified. So all this infrastructure was laid in 2015. And 2016 was really a seminal year. Because in 2016, April 4th, India reached 1 billion Aadhaars. So 1 billion Aadhaars were reached within seven years of the launch. On April 11, 2016, the new payment system UPI was launched. On September 5, 2016, Geo was launched. Somewhere in 2016, the RBI took a decision to launch the account aggregator network. November 8, 2016, we had the withdrawal of currency notes, which gave a huge push to digital payments. So 20, 2014 to 16 had all these momentous events that all led to this massive transformation. So just to give an idea, India went to, did in nine years, what would have taken 47 years by traditional means. And we went from among the most unbanked countries in the world to one of the most financially included countries in the world in nine years using technology. Similarly, the same thing happened with UPI. As I said, UPI was launched as a next generation payment system on April 11, 2016. And as late as October of 2016, it was doing only 100,000 transactions a month. 
and then of course all the events happened and today this is the world's largest payment system it does 9.66 billion transactions a month 9.66 billion transactions a month it has 350 million users and you can make a digital payment using a qr code at 50 million merchants across the country now think about it earlier it took us 75 years for india to reach 6 to 7 million point of sale machines for merchant payments in a matter of 3 to 4 years we had 50 million qr codes at merchants so there's a dramatic acceleration of merchant acceptance enabled by upi and so all these things came together very quickly now whenever you use a digital platform it creates data data is the byproduct of the usage of a digital platform and historically in the rest of the world data is used by companies to sell to you advertising and what not or by governments to you know to see where you are and so on but india has invented a unique idea which is how can individuals and small businesses use their own data we call this as the data empowerment architecture my friend chandra talked about it on the opening day and fundamentally we have an architecture in india now where every individual and every business can use the digital footprint and use that and monetize it in different ways and that's why we call this as digital capital so this is a whole new idea that individuals can use their digital capital to get ahead in life they can use their data to get a better loan to get a better job to get better skills and therefore the concept of digital capital is a whole new concept which doesn't exist anywhere in the world for and this idea of digital capital and dpis is creating what we call a new bargain new grand bargain because most societies like india and elsewhere in latin america and africa the challenge is how do you formalize a society how do you go from having a small elite and a lot of people in the informal economy to a more inclusive society where everybody joins the system and most people don't want to join the system because there's a lot of bureaucracy when you join the system you have to pay taxes when you join the system india has solved the issue by creating a very simple way of onboarding so you can go and get uh uh you know get an id with aadhar get a bank account with kyc get a mobile connection with kyc start getting government benefits and transfers into your bank account you can open a small store you can then use the digital capital from your transactions to get access to credit to the whole road map on inclusion which has come out here and we think this is the unique model of inclusion because it empowers people with their own data also digital public infrastructure issues a challenge that is there in all societies all countries today are fighting the question of how to balance inclusion and innovation uh, i'm sorry regulation and innovation so in the us you have a uh, lots of innovation but now they're saying maybe we need to regulate some of this stuff in europe there are lots of regulations but they don't have enough innovators in india we have found the balance between regulation and innovation because of a participatory model of coordinated governance from the central government from the regulators like the reserve bank technology companies uh, private sector everybody has come together to create an architecture which finds the balance between innovation and regulation so it ensures that there is innovation but within the framework and guardrails of responsible regulation now dpi is also not just a nice to have it's something that's very strategic to have 
For example, during the pandemic, India was able to transfer $4.5 billion into the bank accounts of 160 million beneficiaries. The COVID thing started and people started going home, they didn't have income sources. The government was able to launch this because there was the plumbing was there to enable this at very short notice to be able to roll it out. And the same plumbing is used to pay construction workers, farmers and so on. So fundamentally, it's become part of the fabric of India's digital economy. Similarly, when the vaccination had to happen, the government built the COVID platform, which allowed India to have 2.5 billion vaccinations in two years. And you could go anywhere in the country, get a vaccination. You got a vaccination certificate in real time and you could show it anywhere you went uh, in India or abroad. And the data from this enabled real-time observability of how things were going. So digital technology and DPI has been fundamental to the fabric of India's development. And there are many other applications. India, for example, today has a completely digital tax system. So both our income tax and our indirect tax is completely digital. Everybody pays digitally, which is again ad ad you know advancement done under Finance Minister Sitaraman in the last four to five years. We have a very streamlined system on the roads with our FASTAG. FASTAG was built by the Highway Ministry, does 2.5 billion transactions a month, and all toll collection today is the same standard thing across the country. So the idea of digital infrastructure is now sort of occupied and taken root uh, everywhere, and that's very important. Now, as we go forward, we believe this approach of digital public infrastructure can also help on climate adaptation and mitigation. For example, one of the things that will happen in, in climate adaptation is you want to give anticipatory financing for building more resilient homes uh, in anticipation of you know, higher, higher sea levels or whatever. And you can do that using DPI or using ONDC, which, are, which is our, again another great innovation to create an open network for commerce. We can create a circular economy where things, uh, things get recycled. And as you go towards, you know, uh, charging stations and energy going from, you know, going to multiple uh, locations, many batteries, you can create an interoperable network using this technology. So fundamentally, not only has DPIs helped us so far, it's also going to help us in the future. Now, all this has been possible thanks to the Indian IT services. Indian IT service industry today is about $250 billion hiring uh, you know, about 5 million people and my friend Chandra, Tata's have been the Tata, Infosys are all leaders in this space. And that has given us the intellectual capital and experience to build all this technology. And to complement that, we have an extraordinary startup system. Again, I talked about the year 2016. In 2016, India had only 1,000 startups. Today, India has 100,000 startups. So this is not linear growth of, you know, 10% a year. This is a 10x increase in the number of startups in India in the last seven years. And those, so the combination of the talent density of India, the startup density of India, and digital public infrastructure all come together to accelerate the transformation that you're seeing. So think about it as more than just technology. It's an innovative model for inclusive growth. In India's growth model is inclusive because it's designed to get people to be onboarded into society, modern society, get a bank account, get a mobile connection, get access to jobs, use their data and so on. 
and therefore it's not about a few people winning but everybody winning we think this model is unique it's collaborative it's equitable and it's based on the principle that opportunity must be made available to everyone in the country irrespective of where they are now this is something which is now gaining uh, global recognition and now whether it's bill gates or whether it's the imf they're all recognizing in india's unique contribution to digital public infrastructure and therefore there's now a major move afoot to take this model to 50 countries in 5 years and there's a global coalition of multilaterals like the world bank by imf uh, codevelop many many groups are coming to the the indian government and the minister jay shankar are leading the effort to take this idea abroad so over the next few years you will see the proliferation of this new way of thinking about digital infrastructure at population scale using an open architecture is going to be more and more ubiquitous and prevalent around the world and we have seen that this is something that actually makes a huge difference because we have data to show for it thank you very much thank you very much mr nandan nilakani thank you for listening to cii podcasts 